CPHI podcast series. Hello and welcome to the CPHI podcast series. I'm Lucy Chard, Digital Editor for CPHI Online, and today I'm joined by Bill Whitford from DPS Group to discuss artificial intelligence in drug discovery. Bill Whitford is the Life Science Strategic Solutions Leader for Arcadis DPS Group Strategic Consulting Team, supporting innovative biotherapeutic developments and biomanufacturing processes. He spent his early career as an R&D team lead for Thermo Fisher Scientific and GE Healthcare, developing products for biomedical research and therapeutic applications. Products he's commercialised include hybridoma and perfusion cell culture media, and products supporting assisted reproduction and aqueous lipid dispersions. Bill now publishes on topics such as new biopharmaceutical technologies, Pharma 4.0, and sustainable biomanufacturing practices. He's an author of dozens of journal articles, book chapters, patents, and papers at international conferences, and notably received the 2022 Apex Award for Publication Excellence in the Technical and Technology Writing category for his article AI's Promise for ATMPs, published in Pharmaceutical Engineering. In this conversation, we cover the different aspects of artificial intelligence in the pharma industry and how we can use different technologies and things such as machine learning to our advantage. And Bill also debunks a few theories on the impact and societal concerns of AI. So thank you so much, Bill, for joining me today and having a look at AI and drug discovery and development. Just to jump into the first question, can you please give me a bit of an overview of how AI, artificial intelligence, can be used in therapeutic discovery and highlight any particularly exciting examples that you have? Well, thanks, Lucy, and thank you for allowing me to produce this today. Well, so as you know, there's of late in the past, you know, maybe even six months, there's been even a greater emphasis on the understanding of the rapid development of, of artificial intelligence applications throughout society. But especially today, we'll be looking at its implications in medicine, uh, pharmacology, drug discovery, multiomics in research, and in bioinformatics. And this has caused a, a kind of a sea change in the way we're looking at, at AI per se. So in, in drug uh, and therapy discovery and development uh, specifically, data in general have been collected in electronic format for a few years now. Uh, medical and, and biological research was kind of late in the game and compared to other groups, um, but it's mostly in electronic format, but there are some issues we'll talk about with its current status. But one of the powers of AI that we'll, we'll get into a bit today is that uh, it supports the development of systems where in silico models are, are trained uh, from data without explicit programming. And that is to say, experts call it stochastic versus deterministic programming, but it's that it's not a formula, it's not an equation, it's a dynamic concept, an algorithm that develops answers. And we'll, we'll get into the power of that, the value of that. So these algorithms are, are uh, increasingly used in, in many aspects of a pharmaceutical uh, product research and development. Uh, they're used to analyze data and work with the data itself. They uh, are powerful in advising in decisions in the final analysis 
And, um, and more and more, as people are understanding, they're acting with more and more autonomy. And this is all um, contributing to what we invented maybe 10 or 15 years ago as the concept of the digital transformation. And it's changing the, the vector. It's changing the speed and direction of this digital transformation. One of its powers is that AI can, can accept and analyze and easily handle vast amounts of, of uh, biological data. This is used in identifying um, drug targets. It can mine uh, genomic databases and, and other omics data to find proteins or genes or structures that are associated with particular disease. So in target discovery, it helps us to see where the problem is. Uh, in the in this vast dynamic biological system, lately we have a tremendous amount of data being generated from many sources. You know, there are there are many chemical, physical, chemical, and biological systems that are being analyzed and and probed by many different assays and and instrumentation, and this is all providing data that uh, helps us develop a drug target and and then uh, um, select a candidate. And one of the powers is it's due to their ability to handle this tremendously large set of data and the diversity of the types of data that, uh, that we have to accept in, in pharmaceutical discovery. But through assisting in cleaning up this data and what they call curation and making it proper for AI and then in analyzing it, it helps identify patterns in the um, candidate target uh, relationship um, for further uh, activity. But the, the, the earliest and, and powerful approach is to identify these target candidate relationships. And then uh, obviously, uh, once these, these uh, candidates are identified, then developing them, optimizing them, and, and refining them is, is another power in, in uh, the current AI approach. Despite uh, all this data and sources and types of data, uh, AI's uh, main power is its ability to orchestrate uh, this data, considering all the properties of the target and candidate entity, and compare um, these relationships to the desired uh, physical chemical properties uh, that we would like in a therapy. And then it will help predict the quality of the current candidate in terms of the target and the desired activity, the desired outcomes. In silico modeling, that is modeling uh, these situations uh, in a computer, um, using machine learning uh, and, and now deep learning algorithms um, are, are very powerful now to predict the molecular properties of the candidate, the inter potential interactions and known interactions, um, activities in vivo, and and then to subtract or compare to the in vitro activities, uh, as well as understanding uh, such systems as pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics, and applying all of these parameters to the initial selection of candidates and then their development. And it's something that AI can do easily, and it's it's one of its powers, and we'll talk about some of its limitations, but it's one of its powers is that it's it's comprehensively um, looking at this all the time, whereas human beings tend to focus on one parameter or another and have difficulty 
considering all aspects of these complex systems uh, simultaneously. So all of this, along with um, ML-enabled uh, models of, of quantitative structure activity relationships and, and off-target activity, uh, can be used to um, comprehensively reveal a, a candidate's biological effects and simultaneously consider clinical outcomes potential. For example, it uh, is not only looking at the, the subsystems of the target-candidate relationship, but it would not allow development of something that wouldn't have a clinical, a, a good delivery system potential or, or potential clinical outcome, which is another thing that a researcher can get uh, in the weeds on. People who are working in the laboratory or designing experiments don't necessarily have such a comprehensive view of the entire package. You know, uh, in the laboratory, you could say, well, if we up the dosage to five grams of this, maybe we'll get an effect. I'm exaggerating, of course. But um, but then a clinician would know you can't give five grams of a, of a chemical like that. It would overburden the liver. But the person in the research lab wouldn't be thinking of that necessarily, whereas AI can look at all this simultaneously and, and, and immediately set the brackets of, of dosage levels that would be practical, not just for the experiment, but for the entire um, system. So here's another uh, related issue that the measurement of, of several variables are made on each object. And these variables are typically correlated to each other to one degree or another. Uh, and this is a big factor in, in how we're going to or how we want to pursue the development of, of pharmaceuticals. Because of this correlation, especially in biology, these many systems that are dependent and influenced by each other, um, the, the data sets are what we call multiparametric. But because of the, the limitations in, in the maths and in the computing power we had, for many reasons, they weren't always analyzed as, as severely multiparametric. But we'd look at them as multiply singly parametric or uh, use more simple approaches in, in the design and the analysis of these experiments. But uh, ultimately, uh, the results are really dependent upon either highly multiple single variate or multivariate analysis, which AI can well support and is well supporting. So this multivariate analysis that it's supporting uh, involves examining the relationships between multiple variables simultaneously. That is to say, it considers the influence of each parameter upon the other. You might think about it as in a graph, we have three dimensions, you know, uh, um, height, width, and depth. But often we think about these things in terms of four or five or six dimensions, and it's difficult to represent it on a graph paper or, or, or mentally. And it's because it's a limitation in our, our concepts, and it's a limitation as well in some of the maths that we've tried to apply to these systems. Um, but uh, these uh, ML algorithms uh, can truly handle and provide a multivariate approach to the analysis. So could you give a little bit more detail, go into maybe a little bit more depth about how AI and machine learning, as you've mentioned, can be used for drug development using these different modalities? 
Well, looking at uh, the the newer modalities of manufacturing uh, and and newer technologies that that we're implementing, uh, this is concurrent with the implementation of AI. Uh, we do see a, a very uh, a good harmony between the the capabilities. You know, the um, newer um, analytical instrumentation is providing a lot more data um, in different categories. And artificial intelligence can take this massive amount of data and uh, and take data of from different sources and of different types. But you know, there's really no time now to even outline all the different new modalities occurring and um, the the developments and the the types of of analysis going on. So that we've got two new uh, fields. We've got the um, new types of, of manufacturing modalities like continuous manufacturing or um, process intensifications. And uh, then we've got uh, new analytics, you know, high throughput instrumentation in drug design. But it's just good to, to understand that this marries perfectly with AI and its capabilities. And it's a just a coincidence of technological advance that this is going on. So, you know, product discovery and optimization is relying upon such increased automation and robotics uh, and, and, and supporting these high throughput screenings. And, and their application to another category of, of growth are the, uh, the thousands of, of compounds that we have now in online uh, physical and virtual uh, libraries to work from. And this is just resulting in, in such an, an immense amount of, of raw data and information that AI can you know, well support and promote advance in. Absolutely. There's all that data that it can support and just run through and analyze itself all in situ and I, I think that's such a key I mean that's such a key part of it and how it is so useful you know and I'd like to add that there are some particular examples that people in the field can recognize as as emblematic of what's going on you know I, I'm an older uh, professional here and I remember when when people were generating monoclonal antibodies uh, with hybridoma they were fusing two cells and taking the the product of the first cell uh, and and analyzing it, seeing uh, its properties and whether it was acceptable. But it was a natural antibody, and it was what you got. And you could make two, three, or ten hybridoma to make these antibodies. But then you had to deal with what you uh, what you had. But today, with synthetic biology, you know we're designing uh, antibody isotypes, uh, many different subtype options, fragments. Um, multiplexities, uh, we're controlling the size of the product, uh, the half-life in, in the body by design. And then we also consider the manufacturability. It used to be it was difficult to achieve certain glycosylations that had been filed and, and, uh, and maintain them in, in, the, in this dynamic of different uh, materials, especially when we were using serum. But now it's much more specific and we're affecting so many more parameters of the molecule uh, that AI is, is really supporting the, both the design and then the, the orchestration of analysis and progression of these new products. Yeah, I mean, it literally just even in the time that it saves and in, in all of the aspects of going through all of the different models and things like that, like you said, you don't, you don't have to go through in a, in a human way each stage to find out what's right or what's wrong. You can, you know, test it so much more immediately and then it helps to accelerate 
that building process later so it, it just saves like the amount of time it saves to catalyze that progression in itself is is revolutionary yeah it's true and and i tried to touch on this point before but i think you've clarified it that ai will provide brand new capabilities like analyzing severely multiparametric um, situations that really couldn't be done with the maths we had before but as you pointed out it can take then projects that could take months or years and reduce it to uh, minutes or days. Mm. So it, 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 there are two categories of value we're getting, both new creative architectural approaches to the problem and just speeding up classical approaches. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So in this, I mean, there's a myriad of advantages of this, as, as we've covered. But what, what are the challenges that it represents? And are there any concerns even related? I think it's been discussed a lot in the wider sort of general news and things like that. There's a bit of controversy around AI where people aren't necessarily sure how, like how far these things could almost go. But are these, uh, are these like realistic concerns and challenges that are considered in this area? Of developing medicines? Well, that's a great question, and it's something I've spent quite a bit of time on uh, lately. Now, I'm not a, a, an AI professional. I'm not a coder, um, but I have uh, spent time uh, with with people who know the system well, and I've, I've listened to leaders in the field and read papers describing uh, the issue here. So I, this is my take on what's going on. Mm. Um, we're familiar with some of the uh, concerns over, for example, chat GPT or, or GPT-4. Uh, and are you familiar with the letter signed by many principals in, in uh, companies providing some of these uh, um, algorithms? Are you familiar with the six-month pause that was suggested because of concerns over major problems with it? I do. I think I, I feel like I, um, I heard something about it, but I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with it on any um, particular depth. <laughs> okay. No, no. That's it. Just, just to mention that, that that's the concern going on. But from my take from, from pursuing it is that it's really important to distinguish between narrow, non-networked AI algorithms and, and these highly networked linked to the internet code writing, generative, um, artificial general intelligence, they call it AGI, where it's not just on a narrow field, but it can, it can look to a degree at just about anything. It's right. important to distinguish those two types of AI algorithms, mm. because just like we don't have to worry about the facial recognition on our phones taking over the world, I mean, <laughs> they have just a limited power to grow or adapt or learn, very limited, uh, and they're not hooked up to the internet. So uh, they're not networked to any systems uh, and have no control. So the concern is for these, these what I previously described, generative uh, AI, uh, artificial general intelligence, and not in these applications. So we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's mm -hmm. no reason to fear uh, 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 an AI-supported uh, analysis of the results from your high-throughput screening. It's not going to take over the world. So that's out of the way. But there are, <laughs> yes, there are many other concerns. One is in the data. Um, this has opened up the whole world of, of the quality of data and the, the availability of the data to um, uh, machine learning approaches. Uh, and there's many uh, aspects to this. And some people have said that right now, given the cloud technology we have, the power computing capability, and the quality of the AI algorithms we have, many people have said that organizing, curating, 
the data that's becoming available is the biggest limitation to to moving forward with some of these uh, AI algorithms. People who aren't into the data science, and, and I'm not a data scientist, but people who aren't into it don't realize how many factors there are in, we, we're all familiar with how the data is generated, but then it's capture, it's transmission, it's storage, uh, it's cleaning up. It's labeling. It, it, it's it's a whole field, and they say that uh, this is uh, the biggest limitation out of moving forward with some of these uh, systems that we've been uh, discussing today. Another problem with the data, though, is that automated systems uh, like um, stochastic AI programs can be severely harmed more than than more classical approaches by data that's skewed or unrepresentative or that incorporates historical bias or, or limitations. Uh, it, th- these, these errors are more powerful in, in AI algorithms in harming the outcomes uh, than previously. And so that's, that is a genuine concern. But thankfully, we have approaches to it, including the fact that AI can be used to curate and manipulate the data into a better format. You know, for example, in especially in clinical trials and in clinically related uh, research, we get data from the laboratory, we get data from clinical settings, we get data from, from clinicians, uh, from, from researchers out in, for example, in a clinical trial, uh, technicians handling the, the remote locations. And even the labeling of data and the, the way it's described and the, the format that it's put in, the mathematical format, you know, how you, you arrange the digits and what you call a particular value, which can be related. And, and we humans would immediately know what we're talking about. But, but for a classical uh, computer, you'd have to create tables of, of, of synonyms and, and, and qualifications of that. But, you know, with AI... Uh, algorithms, it can readily, uh, especially uh, once they've been aligned, that is uh, corrected and tweaked by human intervention, once they've been aligned, they can really take all of these disparate labelings and and formats and work with them um, uh, efficiently. And and that's a real uh, advantage to AI applications. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds it. That's very useful because there have been massive disparity there, just um, as you said, from just different locales and different different people, different human inputs. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'd like to mention one more issue here, mm. yeah, that, that AI um, results and systems, the operation of systems can really be affected by uh, flawed assumptions in the way the operators are going to manage it, handle it, apply it. And this is something, because it's such a new field, this is something that people are, are struggling with right now that the, the and we, we did struggle with it with computer code in, uh, 40 years ago, but now we're looking at the designers of an algorithm have a particular application and context of use and implied assumptions of what the output will reflect. And this isn't necessarily held the same way by the customer, the client, the operator. And so getting alignment there has become an important project that people are working on. Are you struggling to cut through the noise? The pharmaceutical industry can be a crowded market. Partner with CPHI Online, the largest pharma marketplace and community worldwide. Get direct access to 280,000 pharma buyers and gather qualified leads all year round to help build your pipeline and grow your revenue. 
With CPHI Online, you'll be able to stand out from the competition and reach a large global farmer audience. To learn more about promoting your company using only one platform, go to cphionline.com. So we sort of, you mentioned it slightly earlier in there in terms of using AI in in the testing phases in clinical trials. What are some of the advantages in using AI here, not necessarily in the core science side of it, but the further reaching advantages that it can provide in things like the social aspects and things like that to do with the clinical trial testing phases? The first thing that comes to mind that we've been talking about, and that is the um, its ability to help or curate or manage uh, the different types of data. And I think here it's important to uh, make the point that AI is very good, better than our classical, uh, more deterministic programming uh, in handling these various types of data. Because uh, it's not just, you know, I talked about disparate labeling and how we can call the same thing different ways and we can record it with three decimal places or four or a fraction or, you know, and, and, and a clinician can do that, you know, say half a tablet and other people would say 0.5 uh, tablets. But there are other more sophisticated problems that AI is handling. And that is, you know, data can be exist in the set that's being received as, as a labeled or unlabeled set of data. It can be structured or unstructured. It can be uh, numerical data. It can be categorical data. And most powerful in a lot of research is time series data that AI handles very well. ML algorithms are uh, very adept at time series data, which is a whole classification of approaches. Then, you know, as we know now from JATGPT, it can, it can work with text and translate textual statements into mathematical or more categorical um, qualified results. Uh, so this this is a, a unique power that's that's really um, uh, an advantage in in the more medical clinical element aspects of pharmaceutical design, and, and in fact a well fed AI model is, is very powerful in predicting the the potential efficacy of repurposed drugs in in clinical trials, uh, and help researchers to you know prioritize the design of studies for candidates of of repurposed um, existing drugs. Yeah, that's really interesting. Is there, yeah, we can go into that a little bit more if you like, um, in terms of how there's, I mean, there's so much research in in repurposing drugs at the minute. And as you said, throughout the development chain, what are the other ways that AI can help in this this aspect? Well, I'd start by saying that kind of by definition, uh, with an existing drug, there's an immense amount of, of research, clinical, and, and post-launch data available. And, and AI, whether it has a unique capability here or speeds it up, it can handle it all. It can take it in, help curate it, and digest it into assisting and moving forward with, with a repurposing project. Uh, it can discover repurposing um, um, potential, as I mentioned, in clinical trial results. And then once these uh, once these leads are identified, it can uh, really help in in the final development. You know, it, it's it's comprehensive, uh, multi-parametric, and even generative data that that it, it can provide is, is very powerful in this type of application. Mm. You know, as in others, but uh, in especially in a repurposed drug, because it can it can go through the published literature 
the previous clinical trial data. It can go through electronic uh, health records, which, you know, I think now we, I, I, I've lived through the past six years moving from some uh, clinics still had paper records and most everyone's electronic now. Uh, AI can move through it. And before an existing drug, this type of work can help look at the value of the activity of the drug on the potential therapy, on the potential disease that it's looking to treat. But it can then keep in mind the side effects and the, the reports of other activity uh, and, and look at this in a comprehensive way in promoting the, the research to uh, finally validate uh, some type of, of new application. It's really the ability to look at research data and then real-world data in making a comprehensive prediction of what needs to be done to uh, finalize a, a, or begin a validation approach. Yeah, it's really, it makes a big difference there. And it's going to definitely like revolutionize how we can use older previously made drugs and, and repurpose them for, for, for new uses. And that's really, and again, going back to the, the just the speed of it and just the efficiency of that process is, is, is really, really so useful. I think it's going to help to push the field so much. And something I, I don't think I've expressed very well until now, but it, the, the concept is that the AI model uh, and, and we're getting there now, and, and I, there are a couple examples we could talk about, uh, commercialized examples that aren't the final answer, but they're the first iteration that are, that are really working. But they not only can um, look at clinical data and real-world data and current results, but they can take this in the context of the molecular properties of the molecule, um, the known biological pathways that it's working on, all the omics data that we're, that we're generating, and even data that's related to the pathways of the application of this drug, the, the, the metabolic pathways we know it could influence, you know, endocrine and uh, metabolic and, uh, and all the different systems of the body. But simultaneously, it can look at the potential of that activity, um, both in the therapy and then in potential harm or limitations, um, which is very difficult. It, it takes only a few people in the world that could really do that uh, in practice. But, mm. but, but an, an AI algorithm that's well-tuned and, and, um, and we find powerful can then be purchased by anyone. And, uh, and even a small research lab can gain the value of all of this, quote, wisdom, end quote. Yeah, and that's really, I feel like that's quite a key point, actually, as well, that it makes the technology a bit more accessible. And so it's not just those, it's not just a few, you can't, it's not just going to be dominated by a few researchers and companies in the field. It's 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 more accessible for everyone. And, and that even breeds better innovation and progress in itself, because you have more perspectives, more different ideas and things like that. So it's all, all of it comes together to to really help push that that progression. That's very well put, Lucy. And it's something that I should have mentioned in our little dialogue today, and I didn't. And that is in advancing the democratization of all of this wisdom, because there are individual men who, who know, you know much of the biological pathways and chemistry of new drugs and, and can kind of approach the, 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 the types of comprehensive multiparametric analysis that I've been describing. But to have this in a in a cloud-based algorithm that can be purchased or or maybe even open, uh, accessible to people all over the world, from 
laboratories looking at new drugs to biological research laboratories to existing pharma. Uh, this, this democratization of this power is another category of value. It gives so many different people with different specialties the ability to access this deep, not just computational power, but but wisdom. The the, the result of harmonizing the the data from so many systems and and turning it into some type of, you know, if not understanding, at least what we'd consider knowledge of the systems and making this accessible to you know, even a small research lab at a smaller university. And yeah, even even further to that, it means that there's no fields of pharmaceuticals that are necessarily left left out and things like that. So it's kind of covering all of your bases, really, which is really, really important. I think if you're looking to progress as an entire, and it is like across the field and entirety of healthcare, really. So that's that's a really important point. Well, that's a good point. Uh, and we didn't talk much about this, but uh, there is hope that AI can help us eliminate bias mm. and prejudice, even historical biases in, in many different areas. And I'm going to get to your point, but we talk about it in terms of, say, clinical trials that uh, a human being can, you know, uh, especially 50 years ago, a, a clinician would say, well, we're going to choose men from Cincinnati and men from Poughkeepsie and not notice that he's only picking men. Whereas AI won't have this historical bias, even if it's not intentional. Um, and we're look, we're anticipating that it's going to uh, help in that regard. Mm. But uh, also, as you've mentioned, it will help us to avoid a bias in, in the types of people that have access to approach these problems. You know, it, funding agencies um, have their favorites and there are people who have been successful before. But this democratization will help allow creative people, even people who you know, may not be in, in high respect, the opportunity to prove or, or disprove themselves in the same playing field with the same capability rather than it being limited to, you know, uh, very powerful hospitals and, and pharma. You know, there were so many stories of, for example, I've forgotten his name, who discovered that bacteria caused ulcers. Uh, he was he was disparaged. He wasn't accepted. People just didn't agree with him. They didn't see it. They didn't want to look at the data. Um, and so people like that wouldn't get funding. They wouldn't get um, the, the capability to prove their point. Whereas uh, with a cloud-based AI system of both researching uh, the, the history of, of ulcer uh, instances, the, the, the reported symptoms, and then the occasional, for example, curing when, when maybe an antibiotic was administered, uh, it could help him to confirm his unpopular or, or the biased criticism against him. Mm. Yeah, that, I mean, it's just so important to to be able to do that, and it's good that we've it's good that we've gotten to the point where we recognise that that bias exists, and in in all of those different aspects that it does come into play, and that we we have a tool that can eliminate it. So, do you think that based on you know all of the this that we've uh, we've touched on today, do you think that AI and machine learning and all of this technology, do you think it's going to become Obviously, it's a very useful um, tool at the minute, but do you think it's going to become almost essential in how we are looking to discover drugs and progress medicine in how we're going to push forward innovation? Well, I don't know how valuable my opinion is, but Lucy, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned, 
uh, I, I think that the, the current state of AI algorithms, machine learning algorithms, power computing, cloud technology, data um, availability and data generation is going to completely revolutionize uh, many aspects of society. I think it's as important as the printing press and the, the World Wide Web. And um, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt in my mind, for better or for worse, people are concerned about things, but, but there's no doubt in my mind that it's revolutionary. And, 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 and out of any emerging technology uh, coming out today, other than, than fusion power, maybe, which would be wonderful, <laughs> it's going to be the greatest step change, sea change in, in the way we approach things like uh, pharmaceutical development and trials. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really agree more. I think, um, as we've said, it touched on, it touches on so many different aspects of it and it's, it does seem to be, it, it, it seems to be like no looking back now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, and it's like, a new, like the understanding of nuclear energy, you know, the sun existed for billions of years and, and all of life was dependent on it. And we discovered what 70 years ago, uh, that or 80, 70 or 80 years ago, that it was nuclear fusion that fueled the sun. We didn't know that before then. <laughs> and so there's great controversy on, on nuclear uh, power and nuclear weaponry and, and radiation in general. Um, but once the cat's out of the bag, you've got to deal with it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if fusion power ever comes to fruition, we'll be so glad that we understood uh, nuclear forces it, and if we can allay the concerns of, of these highly networked generative AI, AGI-based systems, we, we will just uh, reap the rewards of, the, of these tremendous you know, narrower applications and the power they're providing. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I hope to... Uh... I hope that we'll definitely see, and I'm sure we will definitely see, um, a lot of these innovations and these these progressions in the years to come. And I'm sure we'll see the power of AI, yeah, fully uh, reach its potential. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to come. So it's quite an exciting field. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Bill. It's been a really great conversation. And yeah, as I said, this is going to be such a key part of innovation and driving forward drug discovery so um thank you so much for explaining a few different aspects there for us and looking forward to what the field holds well thanks lucy it's been fun and i hope it's been valuable to uh people listening thank you again to bill for joining me in today's episode it was really great to be able to dig a little deeper into these topics and get more of an idea of what ai can do for the future of drug discovery for more content on AI and machine learning and pharmaceutical innovation, please visit cphionline.com and also make sure you follow the CPHI podcast series so that you don't miss an episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the CPHI podcast series. For pharmaceutical news, webinars, events and more, visit cphionline.com. <laughs>